Hello? Hey, Katiekins. It's Rosalie. Want to have a slumber party? The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party to bare their souls. All the girls are coming, except Mary and Linda. And they won't be missed. The party begins at 8 o'clock. It's a slumber party for old time's sake. Hello, slumberkins. I am Rosalie Kicks. And I'm Katie McBrown. And we are best friends forever. Each episode, we roll out our sleeping bags, pick out a flick featuring one of our favorite heartthrobs, and we gab about it. We hope you brought your snacks. And if this is your first time at the slumber party, I'll tell you how the show works. Katie Kins and I visit an imaginary video store, select a movie that features the heartthrob of the month, and then we get our sleeping bags, chat about the flick, and determine whether the movie is worthy enough to be placed on our coveted slumber party watch shelf. And slumberkins, in case you missed our last couple of slumbers, Katie Kins and I have decided it is officially spooky season, which means we have officially kicked off the hunky horror celebration. Ooh, scary. Yes. And I must say, this has been so much fun. Everyone go back and listen to the episodes because Hunky Hara is where it's at. But we have so many sexy slashers in store for you guys. They'll all be revealed in due time, and we may even revisit a previous heartthrob or two. It has been a lot of fun, and it's kind of making me want to just turn this into a horror cast. (laughs) (laughs) Moo-ha-ha. Well, and plus, like, all of the horror is ending up on the shelf. I mean, we do have the bonus uh, things, like are the bonus stars. So yeah. that kind of leads it to the shelf a little bit faster. But with horror, I just feel like that should be at every slumber party. I said it in the last podcast. Yeah, I agree. Before we get to our movie and featured horror hunk, I thought it would be fun to take a trip down spooky memory lane with the slumberkins. Katie Kens, do you recall the first ever horror movie that you watched? The first horror that I saw was the creeptastic Night of the Living Dead in all its black and white beauty. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. My mom was really into watching horror movies and thrillers, and I would always kind of linger to see what she was watching. And she would typically let me watch unless I had, like, a nightmare, and then I was banned from it for, like, a little while. Like, there was definitely a time where I was reading a book that was too scary, and she hid it in, like, a closet (laughs) because she was like, no, (laughs) stop with the nightmares. Um, Yeah, so that was mine. What about yours? Do you remember yours? Well... Before I get to mine, I just cannot believe that that was the first horror movie you watched. I think that is so freaking rad. And I, of course, love black and white movies. So it pleases me that as a child, you watched a black and white movie. I was no stranger to watching black and white movies as a kid. My parents would always have like the old Abbott and Costellos on. I just grew up around it. So I don't know. It's, yeah. it's it felt normal to me like now when I watch a black and white movie like Brian would be like ah what's that because he wasn't raised watching a lot of black and white movies or movies at all for that matter I too watched a bunch of the Abbott and Costello because of my uncle and mm. they were always a lot of fun but Romero was one of the neatest directors and we will definitely have to watch some of his films for the pod one day And here's a fact, if you didn't know about Night of the Living Dead, but the film fell into public domain, like, right away because they forgot to register for copyright. I did know that because it has been, you know, obviously colorized and, like, released in different ways. And it's just so funny if you make this movie and then you forget one little thing. 
Yeah, and that's also why it shows up on like so many horror host shows because they don't have to worry about the rights. Oh uh, yeah, that's but, right too. Yeah, so the first scary movie I remember watching was probably when I was around seven years old and it was John Carpenter's Halloween. Was it the boogeyman? I'm scared. There's nothing to be scared of. Are you sure? How? Killed him. You can't kill the boogeyman. Get in there, come on, Tommy. Now lock the door. And this movie terrified little kicks like for years and years to come. I was always afraid to rewatch it. I love that that was your favorite because I really Halloween is probably my favorite out of like the slasher flicks. Michael Myers to me is the ultimate scary person. And honestly, when I was a kid and watched that, like it was like hard for me to hear the music without being like scary. Agreed. Yeah, the music is scary. And then just the overall plot, because I feel like as a kid, it seemed like something that could happen. Oh, yeah. I remember we watched it on TV, though. It was on during, you know, like in October or something. And my dad would just put things on. <laughs> and I feel like he never really recognized, hey, these are kids and this could scar them. So he would just put it on and the movie freaked me out so much, especially because afterwards I remember being really afraid of the boogeyman and my dad telling me he doesn't exist but then the movie has Laurie Strode telling Dr. Loomis or asking him like is that the boogeyman and he says yes and so it was very confusing to me as a child that I mean I agree because it like I was saying before like it's most true to life like I don't I mean yeah maybe zombies coming up out of the grave is far-fetched but it's still scary but like Michael Myers and in our minds as kids like that's the boogeyman I do recall there was a trick-or-treat where a Michael Myers came to our door and my brother and I were so freaked out and my mom used to give out she would not give out candy she would give out like snack bags and that year it was like we had cheese curls I think and my brother and I were like, Mikey does not get cheese curls. <laughs> we did not want my mom giving him anything. I mean, I feel like he also deserves snacks. Yeah. Sad. I had a similar experience, though, because one Halloween, my friends and I were trick-or-treating in my neighborhood, and someone was just dressed as Michael Myers, like an older teen, just walking around and kind of like lurking. And I immediately saw him and was like, we're going the other way. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was spooky. But here's the thing. I do love Mikey now. I even have a doll figurine of him. And I am convinced at night his hair is growing. I mean, I can confirm from the pictures you have sent me, it is growing. I don't know if it's something near where you are right now because you travel with him. So I feel yeah. like I don't know if like from Philly to like the Poconos, he's like had, you know, some extra vitamin D. Yeah, I feel like the mountain air has made the hair longer. <laughs> what is like when you have like that fluff at the top of Pompadour? Oh, Pompadour, yeah. He does like, have, yeah, that's how it's styled. It's almost like an Elvis. He's like, rad. And I also have a Baghead Jason, and I love them both. I just think they're precious, and yeah. And actually, Jason was probably one of, an early, like, scary watch for me, too, that scared me. Mm. It was that hockey mask. Yeah, like, he was just huge. I love your little Baghead. And I love that you send me daily updates of, like, what they're doing. Yeah. It really soothes my soul. Yeah. They're not too excited to go back to the city. Gotham. <laughs> oh, how delicious it is! The Joker outwits Batman and steals the fabulous jewel collection right out from under his nose! <laughs> Gotham. Back to Gotham. Right. 
Well, I think it's time for Girl Talk. Talk, talk, talk. Girl Talk, talking back. Girl Talk Dateline, the game about the two things girls like best, talking on the phone and... I'd love to go. This is the segment of the show when we talk about the movie featuring our chosen heartthrob. And in honor of spooky season, we are now deeming it hunky horror heartthrob, or as I say, Triple H. Hey, this is the game, Triple H. And today's slumber party, we have a double feature for you slumberkins. The 1982 Slumber Party Massacre 1 and Slumber Party Massacre 2 from 1987. All right, so we should give our slumberkins a little backstory. We went in blindly watching these flicks. I mean, based on the title alone, we kind of were just slumber parties. There's massacres. We're just going to have to figure it out halfway through. Who? We're just going to have to see who comes to us, who sticks out as a heartthrob. Yeah, and... I just wanted to say I did see these movies last year, but honestly, my memory of them was kind of hazy, and I think it had a lot to do with some drinks were had. So I was happy to rewatch, especially with my BFF. And you are correct. We did not know who the heartthrobs were going to be, and I kind of enjoyed that we just allowed them to reveal themselves rather than going in thinking like, oh, this is the heartthrob. Yeah, I mean, because that bit us in the ass for Nightmare on Elm Street because we pulled a huge switch with Nancy and we ended up with the hunky John Saxon, which nobody has kind of come at us yet to let us know that he isn't a heartthrob. I thought we were going to get some pushback. Well, we did get some pushback, though, about our diss with Nancy. (sighs) I think I saw the texts. Yeah. Slumberkin, Mr. Clink, he really got on our backs. He felt that Nancy's wardrobe was wonderful. He thought she was a fashion icon. So he would have deemed her radical fashions? Yes. And I still say I disagree. I mean, the fashions were terrible. She dressed like a 20-year-old, and she was like 16. But he did agree with us about hunky horror and uh, John Saxon being a hunky heartthrob. Oh, God. He did mention that we should have said something about him having hot dad vibes. (laughs) Hot dad vibes. Which, I'll give him that, but I'm not giving him the Nancy. No, I I can't agree with the Nancy, but hot dad vibes for sure. Yeah. So, remember, Slumberkins, for the movie to end up on our Slumber Party Watch shelf, it needs to earn at least five gold stars. As we're chatting, if you hear a twinkle sound, that signifies that it earned a star. And Katie Kins, will you share the criteria for earning a gold star along with our fantastic additions in honor of spooky season? Yes, yes. So a movie can earn a star if it features such things as a mall, bonus babe alert, radical fashions, bodacious soundtrack, a bad boy, nudies, a rebel girl, Pizza Delivery, First Kiss, Wild Hair, Crazy Cuisines, and Dream Digs. And we've also added our new categories to mark a spooky occasion, which obviously this one won't be used anymore, but Dream Boat, because that's for Freddy himself, Sexy Slasher, Wacky Weaponry, A Foodie Fatality, Gratuitous Gore, Killer Knockout, meaning babes that get slayed, and the newest edition of Murderous Music by Benjamin Slumberkin Extraordinaire. And we're always adding to the list. So if you come up with anything, shoot us a note on Twitter at DearBFFPod and we'll, we'll, weigh, we'll weigh and measure the pros and cons of it. Yeah. I mean, it honestly depends who it comes from at this point. I mean, if Devin I mean, Sawa wants to give us any criteria. But I'm more speaking about, you know, if Mr. Clink submits something, <laughs> it will be weighed and measured. It will be weighed and measured heavily, maybe for a couple yeah. of days. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, what did you think of these VHS box covers when you saw them? Okay, so to me, when I first watched, like looked at them, they were classic horror covers. But my eye immediately went to the weapons because, as we as will be revealed, because they're insanity. That was just intriguing. And then the scantily clad ladies, I was like, we're definitely going to be giving out stars for nudies. I, I just know it. Oh, la, la. You live for the nudies. 
You always are looking for the nudies. <laughs> you make me sound like a pervert. But horror and nudity go hand in hand like cheese on pizza. I don't care what you say. Yeah, I'm fine with the nudity. I just think it should be equally distributed. Well, yes, I agree. I think in next week's episode, we see another side of nudity, which I'm excited to just discuss. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that with the next episode, but it was a shocker. I know. I was like, is this the uncut version? Yeah. It was good. So here's the back of the box summary for Slumber Party Massacre. You bring the pizza, I'll bring the drill. When Trish decides to invite her high school girls basketball teammates over for a slumber party, she makes three big mistakes. Number one, she snubs the pretty new girl next door. Number two, she forgets about teenage pranksters Jeff and Neil. Number three, her biggest mistake. She doesn't know about an escaped mental patient who will soon be dropping in on the party with his portable drill. Written, directed, and produced by women, Slumber Party Massacre will scare you. You'll love it. The ultimate driller, killer, thriller. Bring the pizza, I'll bring the drill. Like, that is so good and had me hooked from the start. Yeah, this summary is so great. And I agree. I love the opening line. I also love that the summary has a listicle. And (laughs) then... The tagline at the end rhymes. This is perfect. <laughs> it was a very good rhyme. Than that terrible rhyme from Alfred the doll. Okay. I can't <laughs> believe you even brought up this Alfred the doll movie, which <laughs> would never make it to the shelf, by the way. It would never. It the was su- also an interesting Walmart find. Yeah. I mean, maybe one day we'll talk about it more, but I don't know. That might require watching it again. Mm. No. Yeah, I don't know. That has to be like a, like a couple years down the road before I revisit it. Agreed. And yeah, so since we have to get through two features and for the sake of time, because we don't want to have people here for a bajillion years... I thought it would be fun to just discuss some of our favorite moments from each film and particularly the things that led to stars. So does that sound good? I mean, I'm always up for making a two-hour podcast episode, but to spare people our dribbling on, we'll get right to it. Yeah, I mean, maybe when we have like Jennifer Tilly or Devin Sawa on, then Lillard. Okay, I think if, like, Skeet came on, I'd be like, okay, get ready. It's going to be a 24-hour podcast. it would be a a marathon podcast. We would just be going and going and going, and he would would probably log off, but, you know. I don't know. He was pretty polite. He was. He was so nice. All right, that's that's me me and you manifesting Skeet Ulrich to be on this podcast one day. He'll be on one day. Yes. All right, well... Right off the bat with Slumber Party Massacre, even before watching, the movie earned two stars because it was written and directed by two women, directed by Amy Holden Jones and written by Rita Mae Brown. And Amy actually also wrote some of it, but she was uncredited. And Amy went on to direct three more features, but has writing credits for a bunch of movies that are probably well known to a lot of people such as Mystic Pizza, Indecent Proposal, and The Relic. That's crazy because I just recently rewatched Indecent Proposal. Yeah, I've actually never seen that. I feel I've definitely heard of it. But oh my god, I cannot believe that she wrote Beethoven, (laughs) which led to an entire franchise. There are eight Beethovens. Okay, so I did not know that she wrote Beethoven. Or maybe I did read it and like kind of was just, no, we're not going to talk about it. I've only seen two Beethovens, had no idea that there were eight. But I think once we get through all these Hellraisers, like we should just hop on with the Beethoven series. No. There's D. It's Frank. It's Uncle Frank. No. You remember. No. Come to Daddy. Get the fuck off of me. Absolutely 
no, <laughs> I am not watching Beethoven. I remember seeing the first one in the theater, and even as a child, I was over it. Like, I did not like it. If someone is very interested in learning about the Beethovens, I will give a little plug here on the Movie John Podcast Network, the show Hate Watch, Great Watch. They did a full deep dive on all the Beethovens after watching them during lockdown. And listening to that was enough for me. I don't think I ever want my eyes to watch those flicks. So... If you want to hear about them, you can listen to their show. I do listen to their show, and I must have missed that episode. I don't know how, but I guess I'm going to have to go listen to the episode, and I might watch them myself. Yeah, there you go. There's like a Christmas special, too. You love those Christmas. Look, I do love a Hallmark Christmas movie. I feel like I'm kind of at the end of liking them, though. Not for the annoying purposes of them just finally putting gay characters on there and people of color. They're just the same thing over and over again. So at this point, I'm like, I could write one. Right. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so back to the massacre. This flick starts off right away with some radical murderous music. Yeah, it starts with a creepy sounding organ, and I loved the organ. I was invested from the start. Also, I think this is when I started like counting cats in the movie. You did. Like you one, did start- one crossed the street. Was that, am I, am I recalling this right? Yeah, and I feel like while we were watching it, you were definitely angling to add like a star for the cats. I'm not going to lie. I did talk about it. Maybe we can come up with some kind of star for like pets. Yeah. One day. Mm -hmm. I do also love a creepy organ. I always, whenever I hear an organ, I think of my mom because she used to play the organ. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a great fact. Mm -hmm. When she was a teenager. Mm. And then within the first two minutes, there's nudies. Yes. I specifically remember when we were watching this. I was like, just two minutes in and we got boobs. Just imagine the squeals coming from the slumber party at this moment. Yeah, it would have been wild. And it. let's talk about the nudies for a moment. Because after watching the flick, many people gave the director, Amy Holden Jones, slack. Especially because within the first two minutes, the nudies happen to be in a shower scene, a girl's locker room. And Amy was quoted saying after being called a sellout to her gender, that's what Roger Corman, the producer, wanted, and that's how it's done. You give the studio what they want. Nobody complains that Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, and Ron Howard made exploitation pictures. But when a woman tries, she gets called a hypocrite and a turncoat. That's BS. And something to keep in mind, Slumberkins, is that in the era when this movie was made, in the 80s, and heck, even now... There are just not a ton of ladies being given opportunities to direct movies. And definitely during this time era, most ladies were subjected to jobs like script supervising or possibly editing if they were lucky. Yeah. I mean, I want to say, although we giggle at the nudity, I don't always find it necessary to like hover on like a locker room scene where we're like staring at boobs. But it's, I mean, and it's a shame that women had to and still have to comply with, like, the horny white dude demand from producers. But I'm glad she said that, too. Like, I'm glad she came back out and stuck up for herself and said, like, nobody, nobody bats an eye when, like, a male does it. Yeah, I was not a fan of some of the shots. However, and there were definitely moments where I know when we were watching it, we were texting back and forth. When do ladies get undressed in front of one another, especially at a slumber party? That just doesn't happen. Like, it felt very unrealistic. I mean, I never did that, at least at the slumber parties I went to. I feel every time I went to a slumber party, I mo- I probably showed up in my pajamas already. <laughs> you were like, I'm ready for the sleeping. I think typically... Like, it's not a thing where girls just, like, rip their clothes off and, like, their boobs are out. I mean, maybe some other 
places that people go, like other slumber parties that people have gone to. I know for a fact, like if I were changing, I would always like hide in the closet area. Like I would always like hide behind the door and like just like quick shimmy out of my clothes and like get into my pajamas. But I would never just like openly show myself. And I don't know if that's just, you know, being shy. I, I honestly don't know. I think it's just mostly about what the two guys that were looking in the window, like were kind of creating a fantasy for themselves. So I'm yeah. like, maybe that was like their, like their dream. Yeah. And I really do have to say, I admire the director though. You know, she set out, she wanted to make a movie and she made it happen I actually read that her husband, he assisted her. He was a cinematographer and he acquired equipment and film and they hired some actors from a local college in Los Angeles and they shot a bunch of scenes over a weekend for a thousand bucks. She showed that to Roger Corman, who agreed to finance the film then. So, I mean, she made it happen for herself and I think that's really cool. And not sure how much you know about Roger, but he was a famed director and producer. He's still alive. He's like 90-something. Wow. But he made a lot of B-horror movie pictures. And he loved to do things on the cheap, which I think is pretty rad. And he gave Amy a chance because during that time, not many ladies were given opportunities. And, you know, hey, he demanded boobs and butts, but... What are you going to do? That's a really badass story, how she just, like, kind of went out and did it and was like, here, I am serious. Because ultimately, as a woman filmmaker, I feel like you really do have to prove yourself more than a male, and you have to find creative ways to get noticed. So I totally applaud her for this. Yeah, and he was definitely known to, like, show up on set and things, and people would try to ask for more money, whether it be a guy directing or a woman, and he would be like, no, just figure it out. Whoa. He just wanted to make things as cheaply and efficiently as possible. But also it taught people things too, because they had to learn how to do a lot with a little. I, I I read something about how like how it was so dark that like they didn't have any more money to like pay for the utilities. So like everything was like really dark, almost like the power went out on the entire street and how they just had to like come up with like figuring it out on their own, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Another thing I will applaud the director about is she really did treat, you know, I would say nudity demands like checking a box, which I do feel when you look at the shower scene from that point of view, it's kind of like, yeah, she was just like, okay, you want X amount of boobs. I'm going to give you X amount of boobs and butts and then I'm moving on. <laughs> right. But also, too, in terms of like death scenes in this movie, what I think is really interesting, especially after watching a second time, is that I notice that you see the guys getting more of a gory death than the ladies. Like the ladies are often like their death is off screen, which brings me to the kills. Uh, so much happens in this movie within the first six minutes. And I really think us being horror filmmakers, filmmakers in general, we should take note. They don't mess around. There's nudity there's a mass murderer on the loose and then there's a death within the first six minutes and it's a killing that happens in broad daylight yeah and then there is the use of the wacky weaponry which is the drill which he actually stole from the lady handyman in the van who was his first victim yeah which that is also really cool, too. There are several moments in the film of ladies using power tools, which, again, you don't really see, especially in the 80s. And that drill is just, wow. I still question how it was staying powered throughout the movie, but I'll just let that go. Yeah, I had questions like, where is it plugged into? Is it charged? Where's the charger? Did she have like 600 drills in her van? Lots of questions. <laughs> well, and let's talk about this. What was your favorite fatality? Because mine was definitely when Boo Boo, <laughs> one of the boyfriends, was beheaded. And then immediately after he's beheaded, it like cuts to a blender of like margaritas and I think that's some gratuitous score. 
So I was quite tickled with the foodie fatality when one of the slumberkins, the slumber party um, guests, ended up in the fridge after her death. We don't see how she dies exactly, but she's just chilling in the fridge with the beer. And the many times it's almost revealed, but not quite because Courtney is like going to steal a beer and her sister Valerie is like, no, no, like don't. So she opens and closes it like a couple of times where this body like wants to fall out. And that made me laugh. Yeah, and the body is kind of like folded up like mm-hmm. into the fridge, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, that was pretty great. And this movie also deserves a star for killer knockouts as many of the ladies get slayed. And I feel like there was another great moment too when the pizza delivery happened because despite their selected toppings, I... I wasn't too pleased with what they were putting on the pizza. It was, no, it was a bad order. Yeah. I feel like they ordered mushrooms, which I was like, no. It was definitely mushrooms. I think it was also olives, which no for me, because I don't like either ingredient. Yeah. Just cheese is good. (laughs) (laughs) But the pizza delivery guy ends up, he ends up as a foodie fatality as well. Yes. And that was actually a pretty darn good pizza delivery because he's at the door and he falls in. His eyes are gouged out. And then all of a sudden, one of the like or later, like a little bit later, while his body is just like laying there, one of the slumber party guests was like, I'm going to eat the pizza. And that was pretty, pretty unnerving because like, why would you be hungry at a time like this? Like there's a killer coming after you. You know what? I'm hungry. Me too. What are we going to do with him? Maybe we should cover him up. He's dead, all right. No kidding. He's so cold. Is the pizza? Oh. Well, life goes on after all. And eating makes me feel best. And I feel bad, and boy, do I feel bad. Oh. I feel better already. Really, I do. Yeah, I I mean, I love pizza and all, but eating it over a corpse, I think I'll pass. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's a a nope, nobody nope for me. My stomach would not have been hungry at that moment. (laughs) The only thing I can think of is that they were smoking pot in the beginning, that was the, how the party started. So I don't know. Maybe she had the munchies. I don't maybe. know. I don't know. I think I would have been like reaching for a knife and a bottle yeah. of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Wow. We didn't even speak about the heartthrob yet. Uh, who is Philadelphia born Robin Still, who plays Valerie. And the she's actually the girl that doesn't even get invited to the slumber party. But she ends up kicking some ass because she's the next door neighbor. There was a lot to unpack already. So like getting to the heartthrob was like an afterthought. There was just a lot happening in this movie. I agree because it's again, it doesn't waste any time. It kind of just gets going. But throughout the slumber party, you're kind of cutting back and forth between Valerie and her sister Courtney who are next door and then cutting back to like the madness of what's ensuing at the actual party. Can I just tell you how much I hated the sister Courtney, though? She was so annoying. Yeah, she was very no. And it kind of made me very happy that I never had a sister. (laughs) I mean, I was the younger sister. And like my sister is just a little like a little bit older than me just by like a year. And I pray to God I wasn't annoying like that. Well, and I have to ask, I mean, did you read Playgirl? Like Courtney did. I certainly never had a playgirl. And I definitely didn't have a playgirl with Sylvester Stallone on the cover. I I cannot remember who was on the cover. So I'm I'm glad you did. Oh, I, I was I was shook. I was like, is that Stallone? I was just where did she get that? She stole it from her sister. It was actually Valerie's. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a real issue. Like if there is a Frank or Frank Stallone, I, I mean, Sylvester Stallone <laughs> uh, magazine out there. Nudie mag. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll have to look it up. I bet somebody will look it up for us. Yeah. So 
how about, is there anything else you have to say about the flick before we get to part two? The only other thing I wanted to mention that was interesting was that you see this denim clad killer's face like throughout the film. And when he spoke towards the end of the flick, his voice, I was astonished. It was something. What it, I think he and doesn't he just tell the girl that he loves her? Is that what yeah. he says? Like, I love you. Yes. And then ate the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Are pretty. All of you are very pretty. <laughs> Please don't do this. I love you. Please, I didn't hurt you. Please don't do this. Takes a lot of love for a person to do this. Go away. You know you want it. You love it. Yes. I, I don't even know you. And then she chopped off his drill. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the voice is extremely wild. There's only two other things I wanted to mention. One, I miss the landlines. There was a scene in which the slumberkins were listening to or listening in to a phone call that one of the slumberkins Diane was having with her boyfriend and that's how it's revealed that she has a pet name for him and she calls him Boo Boo. Hi Boo Boo. Boo Boo. <laughs> I love you too and I miss you. Yeah, it's okay. Trish doesn't mind. I love it too. Do you think I'm getting better? <laughs> Shh, hold on. I think our First Amendment's been violated. At a slumber party, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> and it also reminded me that we need our own 1-800 or 1-900 line like Freddy Krueger had, but a BFF hotline. I still want to call the Freddy Krueger number, or I just want to know, like, what happens. Well, I can tell you what happens. It's probably a recording. You're right. <laughs> Is it like a choose your own adventure kind of line, like though? Oh, like where you press like, a number? Like, yeah, like it would be like, I don't know. I am not creative right now, but I really do. I really like, I'm sure if I call the number now, it would be out of service, but actually, when you call, his tongue comes through the phone. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh, oh my God. My whole iPhone would just be a tongue. Blah. <laughs> The second thing, and lastly, I did want to award one more star for radical fashion, specifically Slumberkin Kim's Space Baby t-shirt with suspenders, because it made me realize I have to start wearing suspenders again. I went through like a whole phase where I wore them in high school, and then I stopped. I kind of can picture you wearing them with your really cute fancy pants that you got. Catherine Hepburn-esque. That's oh, what I yeah. picture. Yeah, I had one last thing, one final thing to say about how I loved that there were three final girls at the end, like three survivors, because there's usually, you know, classic, there's only one. Very true. That is an excellent point, because they all helped each other survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, lives were lost, but they didn't give up on one another. That's such a good way to end it mm -hmm. for a slumber party massacre one. Yeah. Courtney Bates has got some weird friends. She should have listened to her sister. Don't pick me all the way. Because when she and her band get ready to party. Do anything you want to. Good times on the Slumber Party Weekend. It's more than just a great time. I didn't know girls really did this stuff. It's Slumber Party Massacre 2. Now it's time for the fun part. Slumber Party Massacre 2. If you go, don't go all the way. Oh God, anybody got any tranks? Let's talk about two. And I did happen to find a VHS box of this one. And here is the back of the box synopsis. The only sane survivor of Slumber Party Massacre, 
Courtney dreams of the drill murderer returning. She can't shake the horrible feeling that she and her friends will be viciously tormented and brutally butchered. Again and again, the nightmare returns. Dazed, Courtney loses control, and her nightmare crosses into reality. No one believes her until it's too late. The driller killer returns, reincarnated as an evil rocker. He methodically stalks them, then violently gores them to death one by one, mixing elements of Nightmare on Elm Street with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Only the fittest can survive. Okay, so at first I was upset that we were getting Courtney again because, you know, like we said, no. But also evil rocker. Wow. This story is really out of left field. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And yes, we did get Courtney again, but it was not the same actress. We have a new Courtney. Still annoying. So annoying. Yeah. So that was a bummer. But once again, we do have a lady writer-director, Deborah Navarra Brock who would go on to work as a producer and then also direct some TV. Oh, I didn't know that she wrote and directed it. That's awesome. Yeah. I know you were not a fan of the music in this film. Well, well, hold on. I am a fan of the last song. (laughs) I'll have to dig that up so the Slumberkins can hear it. Yes. I need to spotlight one song for the Slumberkins that... I want them to decide, it'll probably be Mr. Clank, whether or not it should go on our slumber party playlist. And the song is entitled, Tokyo Convertible. This is probably the only time I will say that I agreed with little sister Courtney when she asked her friend to turn up that song because I think it's a really great song. (laughs) I guess I just wasn't – maybe I need to go back and listen to it because I honestly don't really have a recollection of it. Was this when they were driving? Yes, they were driving actually to band practice because Courtney and some of her gal pals have a band, but unfortunately the band was really bad. Yeah, I was not into their music and they just kept talking about how they wanted to be like the next Bananarama. Yeah, and do you remember when I played Bananarama very slow? (laughs) I can never forget this moment. It was top 10 favorite moment. Won't spend too much talking about this because it's embarrassing, but I had had a couple of drinks and then decided to put on Bananarama and I was like, oh, this is great. And then you and Ben and I think Mike was there as well, our friend Mike. We're like, Wesley, you're not playing this at the right (laughs) speed. it was a record (laughs) it was turned down it was turned to the slow speed and it was just it was good yeah also to just go back to their band for a second i do really want ashley jane another fellow slumberkin who may be listening to weigh in i don't think they were playing those instruments yeah i don't think so i don't think they were and i don't even think they were doing a very good job no Unfortunately, they needed to work on some skills. As the plot was described from the synopsis, Courtney returns in this sequel, and her sister Valerie is in a mental hospital. And there is a line that I wrote down because I just thought it was so ridiculous. But Courtney's mom, really, Mrs. Bates, wants her to go visit Valerie for the weekend. And then Courtney says... It's an old maid. <laughs> That's not it. It's Sunday's my birthday, and I don't want to go to a mental hospital. Oh, honey. I forgot it was your birthday. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry, honey. 
Sunday is my birthday and I don't want to go to a mental hospital. I remember you like retexting that to me and saying, could you imagine that coming out of your mouth? (laughs) Like that would just be wild. But she wants to go to the slumber party with her friends where they're going to practice and, you know, make it big. But Rosalie, we forgot to mention the in both films, there were some weird lights. In the first one, do you remember that there was an appearance of a goose lamp on a nightstand? And in this flick, there was a weird bear lamp. I'm not going to lie. I looked up the goose lamp and it's for sale for like $150. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you brought up these weird lamps because, well, one, I really want that goose lamp because it was amazing. But weren't they both Courtney's lamps? Like she had some weird lampery. Yeah, I like lampery as a word. (laughs) I like it. I feel like she did have some weird looking items so i will definitely try to dig up some pictures of those lamps to post i do want to mention i actually am procuring as we speak two very great lamps which i showed you a preview of i didn't know that was a lamp oh yes oh yes yes wow (laughs) all right y'all are in for a treat Yeah, I will reveal those in due time. But anyways, back to the story. Courtney's mom remembers it's her daughter's birthday because she somehow forgot. And she's like, okay, fine. I guess you can go to the slumber party, which is happening at her friend Sheila's like parents condo vacation home type thing Mm -hmm. i don't know why but i just picture that it's at the beach i also envisioned it being at the beach yeah it's a beach house i guess (laughs) we didn't talk a lot about the snacks in the first massacre but in this second one they have some wild stuff like there's a booze closet some corn dogs easy cheese and they're like super pigging out which i feel is obviously a classic slumber party move but the mess like it was everywhere and they had endless amounts of champagne but we can't forget the one thing and that is the sex doll (laughs) i knew you were gonna bring that up (laughs) it was referred to as sheila's pervy brother's doll which later gets used as a flotation device, by the way, in the swimming pool. So gross. So disgusting. Also, I really, I don't think we, we don't have to discuss it at any length, but that one guy that uses it as the flotation device, I think I hated him the most. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, all the guys were very lame. Yeah, I mean, that's true, except for our heartthrob. So we get to the sleepover pillow fight, and this time, <laughs> this time, bras come off. So we have our nudie, and shocker, two male friends are spying through the window again. Yeah, it, and the whole scene was extremely outlandish. Like, they, I believe there was, like, a pop song playing, and they were eating the corn dogs with the bubbly. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly dancing around topless which again i've never experienced this at a slumber party correct and let me tell you a little fact about the song that was playing in the background because they were watching a movie which was rock and roll high school which is a movie about the ramones i'm not sure if you've ever seen it i haven't seen it fully but the writer director deborah of this went on to write and direct the rock and roll high school forever movie with Corey Feldman oh wow okay so I've definitely seen the Ramones film and as a teen I really liked it because it also has PJ Souls in it oh yes that's right I forgot who the lady was yeah and I love her but I haven't seen the sequel I was shocked that Corey Feldman was in it he he was in a lot of things (laughs) that's true yeah so from here Courtney starts having dreams of the killer from the first film, but this time he, as the synopsis said, is reincarnated as this greasy, or I should say greaser. I was going to say greasy? Yeah, How dare you talk about a heartthrob? He's a greaser 
draped in leather and he ha has like the craziest piece of wacky weaponry I think I've ever seen. It's a guitar that has a drill bit, but where like the guitar neck is, that's where the drill is. It's insane. I agree. I think it's going to be hard to top this wacky weaponry because just whoa. However, the killer is our heartthrob, as I was saying, and is most definitely a sexy slasher. Basically, the epitome of hunky horror, in my opinion. I mean, let's just talk about the fringe on his leather jacket alone. He's kind of like, I would say, a horrified Elvis. <laughs> hmm, I can see it. I guess instead of sequins, you have leather. <laughs> like a Danny Zuko from Greece. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I will say this by far has some of the wackiest kills as well. And it's also just, again, like just a weird serial killer in general. Here's a wild kicks fact for you. The person who played the killer... And I'm probably going to totally say this name wrong. It's a hard name. Atanas Illich? That's prob that's exactly how I would say it. Okay, good. And but like watch, it's like pronounced like Atanas Illich. <laughs> like something like ridiculous. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, he plays the driller killer, and he was the first person to actually audition for the role. And the director, you know, obviously went through the motions, brought other people in, but ended up inevitably going back to him. And he had an extremely short-lived film career. Slumber Party Massacre was his film debut. Two other movies, a film called Ragin' Cajun, which I can only imagine how terrible that is, mm. <laughs> and a TV movie called A Private Matter. But he also had a bit of a music career. He released a few albums. And his father is the founder of Little Caesars Pizza and owns the Detroit Red Wings and Tigers. So he really didn't need to worry that his film career didn't work out. Pizza, pizza. Wow. That's the ultimate pizza delivery fact. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if I were him, I would, and my dad had all that mon money and was swimming in coins like Scrooge and McDuck, I would audition for like the wildest roles just to see what I could get. Because obviously money was, was no object. Right. Yeah. Like you didn't have to worry because you had this huge pillow of money. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> he probably slept on money. Oh, yeah. His bed was made of money. Mm -hmm. Stacks of money. Yeah. You loved The Killer, though. It was really thrilling to watch this movie with you because you kept commenting how much you loved him. I was... His dance moves are out of control and the way he just, like, appeared. Like, I honestly didn't even think he was real. I just thought Courtney was going a little batty. And then the movie literally kind of turned into, like, an MTV music video, and I was so into it. It's really insane just how how left field it goes especially from the first one because the first movie is just like oh a slumber party mm -hmm. and then a killer shows up right like, and he's like singing <laughs> we can't get over that he is singing <laughs> while he's killing yeah. i got a large mouth in a swiss bank account i got a penthouse at the ritz i bought it with my It's amazing. I can't like that's all I could just describe it as amazing. Yeah, I was excited when I read this little fact that I guess like during rehearsal, he actually broke a lot of the props because he was just so pumped oh about my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I like that he was very into it. Like <laughs> I just think that's great. Method. Um, method. <laughs> just like Jared Leto. Just like Leto. So what about the deaths? Uh, what was your favorite? I definitely enjoyed the blood bomb gratuitous gore. 
But I'm going to have to go with the foodie face when the arm goes right into the birthday cake. That was pretty epic. Yeah, that whole scene was also kind of odd. Courtney's boyfriend brings her a birthday cake up to the bedroom. And I can't remember if they just made love. They did. And I don't even think they blew out the candles. Like they made love and like this. And there was a lot of candles on the cake, I believe. Well, no, I was not worried that there was going to be fire because we know. It did seem there was a moment where we were both like, oh, maybe there will be some flames here. There was a glimmer in both of our eyes. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite comments from you while watching this was you kept asking me, how is this real? (laughs) I mean, like I said, like we just mentioned, it took like an absolute wild turn and I was I think this was at the part where he was singing down the hallway, coming at the one girl, like thrusting his hips. And like everything was just wild. Like everything to me was just wild. And I I lived for it. Well, and this part that I'm going to mention is a bit spoilery. So if you don't want to know, then pause and come back. But I absolutely loved, and I know you did too, I loved how he dies. It is a fiery death. Mm -hmm. This was some definite gratuitous score as well. And I also have a killer knockout star to give out to Heidi Kozak Haddad, who played bandmate Sally for her death by pimple. That was a gnarly death. Courtney, what is the matter with you? (laughs) Come on, I'm your friend. Talk to me. Hey, are you on drugs or something? I wish I was, Sally. I mean, so many weird things are happening to me. Hey, hey, I know what you mean. The weirdest things are happening to my face. I mean, I have got the fastest growing zit I have ever had in my entire life. I mean, look at this thing. I mean, is this the grossest thing you've ever seen? Go get some more oxytan. I mean, it hurts like hell. (laughs) Sally! And the special effect makeup for this was crazy. Like, absolutely bananas. Yeah. And it was really gross how she died. Yeah. Like, I don't think I'd ever want to die like that. I think that would probably be, like, one of the worst deaths. Yeah. I actually watched that movie that came out a couple years ago, that scary movies or scary stories to tell in the dark. It was, like, based (gasps) on that book. Yeah. And there was a pimple death in that as well. Well, because in the book, it's actually like spiders laying eggs in her face. Yes. It was so disturbing. I remember watching that movie, but I didn't care for it because I loved the book so much that when I watched the movie, I was like, I just want to forget the movie. Yeah. I didn't didn't really like the movie either. I also read the books as a kid, but I also was a total Helen in the movie theater when I watched it. I yelled at a teen. Oh my God, did you? Yes, because she was having a phone conversation. And I told her, can you take that outside? Good for you. You know what? We need more Helens like you in the theater. We are in a theater. (laughs) You are being rude, lady. Yeah. And then she put it away and got very quiet. Good, because you don't take your phone out in a movie. You just don't. The screen is too bright. And it's, it's a distraction. It's yeah. rude. So, anyways, here's a little disturbing weird fact for you and the Sumberkins. Heidi, the person we were just talking about with the death by pimple, she apparently noticed that each day her cut-off jean shorts that she was wearing in the film kept getting shorter and shorter. She later learned that the costume designer was pulling threads out of them at the end of each day. So she eventually decided, I'm going to get my own pair of shorts. Wow. I mean, I would honestly just be like, is my ass growing? Like, why is, why aren't my pants fitting? So I'm glad that she was clued in and smarter than I am and bought herself a new pair. Because that's just disgusting that they would do that. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's a terrible trick to play on That someone. is a terrible trick. The VHS tape of Slumber Party Massacre 2 would go on to be a top seller. And 
when it was released, it actually won a gold video cassette award, which I tried to look up what the heck that means or was, but I couldn't find anything. I bet Mr. Clink knows what it is. I bet he knows. I bet he has an award like laying around. Yeah, like a trophy. Mm -hmm. And there's just something else I wanted to mention is I feel you could tell that the director of this film was a fan of horror and just like horror genre in general. Because there's like little nods throughout to other slasher films, like how the cops were named Voorhees and Kruger. And I love stuff like that. I do too. Like they changed Courtney's last name, I think, to Bates because it wasn't in the first one. So I thought that was cool. And then there was definitely a Craven nod as well. I just can't remember why, where, and when. Yeah. Well, are you ready for the tallies? I am so ready to tally. Time to bust out the diary. Dear Diary, Slumber Party Massacre has earned a total of 12 stars for female writer and female director, murderous music, nudies, slumber party, wacky weaponry, gratuitous gore, two stars for foodie fatality, killer knockout, pizza delivery, and radical fashions. And as for Slumber Party Massacre 2, it may not have received as many stars, but it does make its way to our watch shelf with a total of nine stars for female writer-director, slumber party, nudies, wacky weaponry, sexy slasher, gratuitous score, foodie fatality, and killer knockout. These flicks may not be the ideal slumber party that I or Katie would want to go to, but they sure are thrilling to watch. I'm pretty shocked at the amount of stars that these babies have racked up, but then again, hunky horror is ablaze. I think we should mention here that there is a remake coming out of Slumber Party Massacre. Yes, I completely forgot to mention that, and I'm so glad you did. And actually, while we are chatting here, I would just want to quickly look up who the director is, because I know it's a female. Oh, that's cool. I, is it coming out, like, ne- like around now? Like, or not, like, obviously, like, when this podcast comes out? You know. I'm going to have to do some research because it just premiered at Fantastic Fest. Mm, Okay, that's why I've heard about it. Yeah, and it got really great reviews. Like, people seemed to be really pleased with it and thought it was a very good remake. Mm. But it was directed by, and I'm probably going to butcher this name too, (laughs) Danishka Esther Hazy. Yeah. I I can't say a word. I'm just going to leave it as sure. (laughs) She is known for, which I haven't actually watched any of her other stuff. I do remember this playing at, I believe, Sundance. She made that I Was Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, Mm -hmm. I've never seen that. It looks like she's done some other TV stuff and then a bunch of shorts. Uh, But yeah, people really seem to like the remake. So I'm excited and Once we get word of how you can watch it and where, um, who knows? Maybe we'll even get a screener to it. Mm, I would love that. Yeah. So we will keep the Slumberkins updated on where they can watch it. I'm really glad that these two movies, these gems, ended up on the shelf. Me too. They were a fun watch. Like I said, Slumber Party Massacre 2 gets freaking wild. Another thing we didn't mention, there is a third one, which I haven't seen. So we'll have to find out where that one is and watch it. Well, then I believe they go into Sorority House Massacre somehow, too, which I think that there's a couple of as well. So I don't know if there's like a similar character or maybe we're still following Courtney. Okay. I don't know. But I just I read that somewhere that they are kind of related or involved somehow. Very cool. Well, until our next hunky horror slumber party, Katiekins, where can people find us? So you should definitely follow us on the social meds, specifically Twitter at DearBFFPod and on Instagram at BestFriendsForever.Pod. We post things on there. I just posted the hunky horror thing that I was talking about last week. It is good and it makes me laugh daily. Yes, you can find us there. You can also email us at dearbffpod at gmail.com. And that's how you can join our fan club. You can send us a letter with your name, address, and birthday to Attention Movie John, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145. 
And I really want people to start sending us stuff because I recently got into this wrestler, Danhausen, and he gets so much mail. <laughs> I want to make unboxing videos because <laughs> they're so I, fun. I like make you unbox things for me. Like I'll be like when you got Mikey, I was yeah. like Ben filmed you opening it because I needed to see it and I love them. Well, this guy, Danhausen, he unboxes all his fan mail and posts it on YouTube. And I don't know if it's some kind of fetish, but I'm really into watching it. Yeah, I was like, unboxing is kind of like a, it's like a whole, like, YouTube, like, content corner. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. <laughs> but yeah, if you write to us, we will write back. And I am so excited about our next episode because we are revisiting Ma. I can't wait to rewatch Ma. It's a true BFF favorite of ours. We saw it in the theater together, and I miss those days when we got to see movies together. I know. And the reason I'm excited to talk about Ma is because I feel every time we watch it, we see something new. Mm-hmm. So remember, Slumberkins, we have a lot of fantastic things in store for spooky season. And make sure you share with us your Halloween heartthrobs. We want to know who you deem as hunky horror. And share with us one of your favorite horror movies that you think Rosalie and I can watch. And also... Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Pods because we want to read your reviews. Yeah, and you can even send us little comments, too, on social media. We should start reading those, too. Oh, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, because I know some people don't use Apple Pods, especially because Apple's getting all, like, goofy now. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, that concludes today's program and shout out to Movie John's Ashley Jane Davis for our radical spooky theme tunes and the Hollywood hunk Hugo Marmuji for our nifty logo and Best Friends Forever is part of the Movie John Podcast Network and we thank you for listening. Please enjoy a short advert from our unofficial official sponsor, Pizza Hut, featuring the incredible Pizza Head. Bye-bye. Bye. Now it's time for the Pizza Head Show. Hey, everybody. I'm done trick-or-treating, and now I'm going to go for a stuffed crust pizza at Pizza Hut. Yay! Not yet, Pizza Head. There's one more place to go. Well, I don't think anyone's home. Sure there is. Hello, trick-or-treat. Ooh, interesting hieroglyphics on this pizza. Yeah! Quick, Pizza Head. Let's go upstairs. Hey, hey, who lives here anyway? It's your host, Count Steve. Oh, nice place. You got to go. Ah! I want to go to Pizza Hut now. The Count will be happy to give you a lift. Oh, hey, put me down. Put me down. See you next time. Boom.